Matthew 28:18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'd like to give a brief intro to Kenny before he comes up. Um, so he grew up in New York City, Chinatown, and uh, he and his wife, uh, Cindy, spent a year teaching in East Asia in 2004. And in 2008, he was receiving a Master of Divinity at Gordon-Conwell, and during that time, he did intern right here. And um, he also pastored churches, and since 2014, he has served as the city mobilizer for international um, Students Incorporated. He is the senior spiritual life advisor at NYU along with his wife, Cindy, and they minister to student families with young children, both he and his wife and his two kids. So I'd like to now invite Kenny to come back up. You're that tall? No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry for myself. Hope you don't mind me uh, standing over here. I love youth. Uh, now my son is 15 and my daughter is 13. Time for me to act like a grown-up. My wife thinks she has three kids. It's, it's pretty funny until I'm like, wait, kind of offended. But it's kind of true. But it's, uh, I'm actually really excited to speak to you guys. And to you guys. Uh, it's so wonderful to be here this weekend. Um, yeah, you already heard the introduction, but we're like family. You know, we've been here since 2005. And even when we graduated in 2008, we've been coming back every year. Uh, even when I was pastoring at another church, we would, come, we would take vacation. Our two weeks of vacation, we would spend it one week here. Um, because we love you. And it's kind of selfish. It's really because we know you love us. Right? Why wouldn't we go to a place where we're loved? And I hope you feel like church is a place like that for you, that you are loved. That was a great introduction, so I'm going to skip all this. <laughs> all right. How do we live for God's great kingdom? Episode 3. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like the most confident and 1 being like no confidence, here's the question. How confident are you that you are doing what God has called you to do with your life? It's a no judgment zone. 10 being most confident, 1 being not confident at all. Where are you? Now, if you're brave enough, just going to ask you to hold out some fingers right in front of you, close to your heart. 
And don't worry, like, I, I can't see that far, so <laughs> it's really for you, and, and let's try not to look around, but you could look at your spouse, I guess. <laughs> but think about that. How confident are you that the life that God has given you, you are living it according to the plan he has for you? Many of us struggle to live out God's call for our lives. And it's okay, we may not even know what that is. It takes time to discover that. And we're on a journey within our relationship with God to see how he's leading us, to see that he is with us during the good times and the bad times. To see that when our parents bring us to church, there's, it's because they believe in something that was so good for them. They want you to experience the same thing. But it takes time. I mentioned uh, the past weekend that when I, was, I grew up in New York City's Chinatown in the 1980s, it was not a good place to be. Like, I had to know someone on every block, and I had to realize that I either know someone or I'm in trouble. And then it got worse. I'm either the aggressor or I'm the victim. Guess which one I chose. It's okay if right now you don't know what God's plan is for you. But I want to invite you to search for him and find him. Thanks for making eye contact. This is, I love speaking to youth and you guys. Okay. No, I do, I do, I do. You're so far, I can't even, sorry, I didn't. Okay. Um, What if God told you that his plan for your life is meaningful and can make an impact. But it looks different than the life that you think you want. You could have a life categorized by contentment instead of constantly wanting more. This doom scrolling, oh my goodness. You can have a life marked by peace instead of anxiety and worry. And there's much to worry about. You can have a life with meaning and purpose instead of kind of like this superficiality, emptiness. We know how to play that game. I've realized in my life that there's a restlessness in me that I've got to rebuke and I've got to just submit to God that I want to find rest because God wants to give us rest. Many of us are restless. We want to have ambitions over the concerns of God because that's truly rewarding instead of our own ambitions, that when we attain something, now we're scared to lose it. Now, we might thank God for giving us that, but to let that go and surrender that back to God, that's not in the job description. And lastly, you can have a life where those around you are inspired by the way you live out your relationship with God. Or you can just be like everyone else. Now, I know in high school, I'm kind of old now, but in high school, I wanted to fit in. In college, I wanted to stand out. Now that I'm an old man, I just want to sit down. <laughs> Seriously. No. Okay, no, give me. Sorry, I know some people don't like to laugh during sermons, and, and that's cool. I'm, I apologize for that, but in my life, it, you know, I, I either laugh or I cry, and I'd rather laugh. Okay. What, if I told, what if God told you that his plan for your life can be meaningful and make an impact? but it'll look different than what you think you want. You live long enough, you'll realize that what you think you want 
it's probably not what's best for you. And it's likely not best for God's plan for you. But how would you respond if he asked you that? If he told you he has a plan for you, I hope you're at least curious. Now, the theme for the missions conference has been living for God's great kingdom. Uh, Friday night, we were reminded that Jesus has compassion on us. And then Jesus grows compassion in us so that we can have compassion for the lost. And then he instructs his disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field. But it doesn't just stop there. Not just asking, but that we act. That we would be willing to answer that prayer that he wants us to pray. And that's what he did with his disciples. That's what he wants to do with us. Uh, just to say, missions, conference, missions, nowadays with globalization, mission can be closer than you think, though it is still very important to go to unreached people groups where people have not received, where people have not heard, and they're waiting to. Hey, last night we were reminded that Jesus willingly paid the great cost for us. Now, if we recognize that there is something wrong in us, you can call it sin, you can call it brokenness, you can call it shame, even depravity. That Jesus willingly paid the great cost so that you don't have to bear that cross. But he does call us to bear a cross. Are you willing to live your new lives for him? And today, we'll be reminded that Jesus, or maybe for some of us to be experience that for the first time and confront that, that Jesus is risen and that Jesus will return. And in between, we are to obey the Great Commission and go make disciples of all nations and with our neighbors. Now, the, the verse I'm using is actually not going to be ch Matthew chapter 28. That's what I started to think about, the Great Commission. And as I thought about that, I said, well, maybe most of us know that one. That's like the famous Great Commission. So I pivoted, and I said, well, let's look at Acts 1. There's no popular, famous title for Acts 1. Uh, so I just kind of said, ah, Great Commission, Great Call. It's my best attempt. I'm not great at titles. Actually, kind of plagiarism. Uh, but Acts serves as a bridge between the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament writings that follow, right? Uh, it act, actually connects what Jesus did to what his disciples did, or maybe more clearly what his disciples did with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because without that, there's no way we can live for Jesus. We try. But that's a heavy cross to bear. And I don't think he wants us to bear that cross. And as implied in the title of this book, the purpose of these accounts is not just for your information, but rather, as implied in that title, it is for them and an extension for us to act. So let me highlight two bold claims in the opening passage. Right? Jesus is risen. Jesus will return. Uh, verse 3 of Acts 1, uh, Jesus gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, right? Second, Jesus will return. Don't know when. The same, uh, verse 11, the same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven 
will come back. First, Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his followers. For some of us, this is like old news, but it's still good news. And every now and then, we have to listen to that good news again. Because this world kind of, ah, you fill in the blank. Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to his disciples, and they got to see him in the flesh. Not just a spiritual being, they got to see the resurrected body. Jesus ate with them. Can you imagine breaking bread and eating fish with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus? That's what they got to do. You know, and, and Jesus told Thomas, doubting Thomas, and I think if we're honest, we have doubts at certain times. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So if you believe in Jesus, God blesses you. He's given you spiritual eyes to see him, even if we can't see him with our physical eyes. Now, that, doesn't take, that does involve faith. But, but the Bible records truth for us, accurate accounts. Actually, the person that wrote Acts is a doctor. Not that you should trust all doctors. But he's educated. He was funded to write a detailed account, um, and uh, eyewitnesses were able to report to him uh, what happened. Second, Jesus is risen. Oh, sorry. First, Jesus is risen. Second, Jesus is alive, and he will return. <clears throat> In verse 11, the angels tell his disciples that Jesus will come back. In verse 7, we're told, um, Jesus tells them, we don't know when. We don't know. They don't know. In the past, Jesus even said, only the Father knows. We don't know when, but he says he will. If you believe that Jesus speaks truth, then he's coming back. Because he lives, we can face the challenges that we're facing. Challenges that we tell other people about or struggles that nobody knows but us. He's willing to listen. And he listens well because he loves well. Sometimes we think we have to have it all together to be able to go to God and say, look, aren't you proud of me? But Jesus loves you knowing that you struggle, knowing that you fail, knowing that if you don't give up and keep walking with him, you'll see him walking with you. You'll have to experience that, but at least I can attest to it. You know, I look forward to a day where there's no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, no more killing, no more refugees, no more trafficked people. And that day is coming because I believe Jesus is returning. Now, if you don't know Jesus yet, whether this you've only come once a few times or maybe you were like me where I was forced to go to church when I was younger, May you experience the hope and the peace that is so foreign inside of you. I'm not talking about like religion and all that, but experience something that you've got to say. It's kind of illogical, supernatural. May you experience that hope and that peace that Jesus offers that you've got to say, I've got to figure out, figure out what that is. And then be on this journey to get to know him.
and that he will show you that he truly is who he says he is. Now, if you want to know why Christians believe in Jesus, after the service, ask the person that brought you here. Maybe they're, they're nervous right now. but um, Sorry, I'm my bad. Um, or if you don't know anyone here, just, just smile at the person that's sitting near you. And hopefully they'll smile back. And then introduce yourself and then you can ask them. I would love to do that for you, but they're making me go to COM even before the service ends. You know, Chinese congregation, they're, they're serious, man. But they've been very gracious with me because they know that I'm not like this Chinese speaker that can just keep going. Though you might feel that way right now. All right. How do you live for God's great kingdom? The first thing is to be reminded and to stand firm in the fact that Jesus is risen and that he's coming again. It's life-changing news. It's life-giving news. And without it, you don't really have anything to share. But if you truly believe it, then it's worth sharing. In fact, that's what Jesus instructs his disciples to do. So, verse 8. We still have Bibles in the pew. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus calls his disciples to be his witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Likewise, we are to bear witness of who Jesus is. From here to everywhere, wherever he has called us. Now, I thank God for this church. That's why we keep coming back. You know, and, and in 2014, the church started to support us, um, partner with us. And I know you guys have prayed for us over and over again, whether, whether it's in a worship service, in your small groups. Many of you are donors. This is a wonderful church. We can't help but to come back. The family's not here this, this, uh, this weekend, but they were here in February, and we plan to come back next year. Um, in fact, we, come, we came back every year except for 2020. All right. Um, I've been preaching the past three times, Friday morning, Saturday, no, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning, and I've gotten to this rhythm of, like, I speak, Someone else speaks in Mandarin. I interrupt them, and so I get like, reset, and now it's kind of like, man, it's like, anyway, please bear with me. Uh, we're family. Okay. On Friday night, I shared that at 14 years old, I went to my church's summer conference in the Poconos. I went there, had no intentions of any spirituality. I went there to avoid getting beat up in New York City with my pre-gang troubles. I was just escaping. You know, if you're from Hong Kong, you'll hear that phrase, Daolo. It kind of felt like that. Oh, you're not from Hong Kong? Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but when I was there, I was genuinely convicted of the bad things I had done. And in a moment of, well, me being a New Yorker and being this church kid that didn't like to go to church, I just whispered, I'm such a jerk. I don't think anyone heard me, but then I heard a voice, and the voice said, but I still love you. So Jesus met me at my worst. Now, uh, there should be time in the next 35 years that I was pretty bad too. He loves us, and he knew, he knows 
how bad we are before he died for us. And so he'll keep loving us. After our, uh, So I raised my hand and um, accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Four months later at the church's winter conference, there was another altar call. I don't remember any of the sermons. I remember the altar call because they would always give three calls. Um, come to believe in Jesus for the first time. Recommit your life, rededicate your life to Jesus, and then dedicate your life to full-time ministry. And um, when that third calling, like, who would like to dedicate their lives to full-time ministry? You know, I'm usually like, mm. you know, I've learned that if you close your eyes, bow your heads, and don't snore, you're good. But that moment, I felt, the whole, I felt an internal, overwhelming pull prompting to raise my hand. I didn't really know. I was 14. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew the voice of God. I just knew that the voice of God was saying to me, raise your hand. And I wanted to be obedient. It's hard to trust and obey. But we do it a little bit, then we'll do it some more, and then 35 years later, we'll still be trying, still struggling. During college, my burden for the loss grew, and I thought, God, I'm Chinese, Chinese-American, you know. Um, growing up in Chinatown, and God has called me to do missions in China. That's what I really believed, and I would tell all my friends that. And I was serious about it. In 1996, I went to Urbana. 1997, I, my first short-term mission trip, I wanted to go to China, but then I saw this Hong Kong booth, and I said, I'm going to Hong Kong. <laughs> so in 1997, I was in Hong Kong teaching English, um, and I was not a good teacher. But I wanted to follow God. I believed he was calling me. And I thought by the time I was 30 years old, I'd be living in China. Um, yeah. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I just knew that that was my path, and I'm going to walk in that direction. Definitely been twists and turns. Um, after college, I started working in sales, and I had to... I had the lifetime of an opportunity of lifetime. How do you say that? Lifetime? Ah, yes. I'm like thinking Chinese now too. Like it's all like, okay. What did you say? Opportunity of a lifetime to, um, to have generational wealth. But deep down, I, I knew this is not what God wanted. It was a struggle. Uh, without a plan, I quit. And, uh, you know, even my best friend was like, Kenny, you, you should not quit until you find out what God wants you to do. But I knew this wasn't it, so I quit. And it's not a noble thing. It's because I knew that if I kept walking in that, my, that opportunity, it would be harder and harder to go back on the way to follow God. So I quit. It was tough. Uh, and then I went into a season of intently asking God, Asking for guidance. Lord, what do you want me to do next? I like to ask God questions, and I expect him to answer me. What do you want me to do next? Okay, maybe it was in that tone. Maybe it was. A month later, during a worship service similar to this, God spoke to me. He did the worst thing, right? He answered my question with a question. He said, Kenny, you tell people I've called you to do missions in China. I had you grow up in Chinatown. What have you ever done for my people there? You know that I'm a talker. I, I mumble nothing. 
nothing. And that led me on a journey to start in my own Jerusalem, serving immigrant youth and their families in Chinatown. And that's when I realized there are people in New York City who have never heard the gospel. There are people in Boston, there are people in Lexington, Waltham, never heard the gospel. I want you to go share it with them. And I've learned the lesson of before you go globally, serve globally, serve locally. And that's how you, that's how you go on that journey in this discernment process. And then you realize the harvest is plentiful and it's here. While there are still over 7,000 unreached people groups all over the world who have not heard of Jesus, there are people in our own backyard who have not heard of the Jesus of the Bible. Now, they heard of Christmas, they heard of Easter, but not the Jesus of the Bible. Maybe some of us here don't really know yet the Jesus of the Bible, and that's okay. You're here, and you'll be taught, and you'll experience God for yourself. When I was a Back at OCM, after our, my two years missionary intern, turned out that God was directing our, redirecting our path. It was devastating. We, we, we were in application process with OMF, um, and we were going to be sent out in 2011. And then in September of 2010, you know, our, our daughter was born with Down syndrome and hearing loss. And it rocked my world. I thought, I've shared this with you in the past, but I thought 10 years God has been leading me to warm up for this marathon for him. And right before the marathon, and my tight, my cold, I don't know what you got, is, it's not DNF, did not finish. It was DNS, did not start. I was devastated. So they sent me to uh, OCM Canaan Church, which is in Princeton, New Jersey. Kind of similar to this church, but much smaller. Uh, and uh, as I was a youth pastor, I realized every Sunday afternoon, the, the, after lunch, a lot of the families would like urgently leave. I was like, well, where are they going? This is a suburb. nothing to do here. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I'm not dissing you, but I kind of am. Anyway, um, and I realized they were all going to the local high school. Because every Sunday afternoon, there was a, the Asian, Chinese, Taiwan community. They would gather there. And you're not going to like this. Their kids would do Chinese school while they would dance to, you know, Chinese music or sing Chinese music. They were having, parents were having a good time. And children were learning Chinese. 700 people gathered every Sunday. 700 Asian people. And our church families were there. Is there a harvest field that is hiding in plain sight? Not that the harvest field is not just around the world, all at the ends of the at the ends of the earth. It's also closer than you think. Oh, skip, 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 skip. You know, some of us uh, we're, we're all called to be God's witnesses wherever God has placed us. Some of us are called to be God's witnesses. Um, to the ends of the earth, to the nations, right? Because there are still so many places that have not heard the gospel. There are billions who are waiting for God's witnesses to go share with them what is true and what gives life and what gives hope. And so therefore, as the passage I always read, uh, we are called, some of us, 
are called to dedicate our lives to full-time ministry and go make disciples of all nations. There's also, it's kind of like a uh, alternative, not the right word. There's also another way to interpret that passage. Hear me out. Go and make disciples of all nations, the Great Commission. The other way to actually look at it is as you are going about your life, make disciples. You don't have to go overseas. Now, going on short-term mission trips, great. I've gone on many of them. I've led many of them. Great. But it's part of us growing to have compassion for the lost. So as you are going about your life, studies, work, to the gym, I actually... I, I always say this. I kind of work out with this guy from Kazakhstan. He looks like Dolph Lundgren. And if you're, he's like Rocky II, that Russian dude that's like built all over. Like he does a leg extension thing and he does a whole rack. I don't work out with him. I just met him. <laughs> I actually met him walking to the gym. I said, hey, I've seen you at the gym, right? And uh, what's your name? He said, Dimitri. And uh, yeah, I just invited him to church. He came to church. My other friend just providentially bought a really nice Bible that he wanted for himself. And when he sat, Joey actually, not my son, when he sat, he's a professor at Columbia, teaching video game design. It's pretty cool. Uh, and he gave Dimitri a Bible. And I still see Dimitri. He's an actor, model, bartender. There are people that are here that don't know Jesus because God has sent the nations here. But there are billions who have still not heard. 1220, you said? That's, oh my gosh. What? The, what? I'm way distorted with time this morning. Right? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? And more importantly, will you speak to each person here? As we've sang a song that says, our hearts are open to you. What will you fill our hearts with? And even as we pray that, we, we confess that not all of our hearts are open to you. But we want to allow you to come into our hearts so that we can experience you. So that we can experience the one who gives grace. The one who loves us without reserve and without end. And that we would not only receive who you are, but that we would grow it and then share it with others. I pray for my brothers and sisters here who are serving so tirelessly, so faithfully. God, would you continue to pour into their lives? Give them rest. God, we need, we need renewal. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have so faithfully dedicated their time and energy and their finances to serve you and to build this church. Thank you for my brothers and sisters who have
been so generous in sending out missionaries, supporting them, even going to visit them, having fun with them, being with them so that they, were, they would be reminded that they're not alone. Would you also remind us that where we work, there are former international students that we work for or work with or they work for us that perhaps they've never heard. Sometimes it's the classmate sitting at the other table that, that speaks with an accent or speaks with other friends in a different language. Would you give us a heart for them? And God, for those of us who don't know you, don't know you yet, maybe we grew up in church like I did and really didn't enjoy it. God, would you meet us in a way that shows us that you're real, that our parents brought us here because they know that you are real, but we need to experience for ourselves. I also pray for those who are carrying shame and guilt, especially shame, God, that you would show them that you took their shame. You earned our righteousness. And you take our shame and you're willing to give us hope, peace, and joy. They're just kind of words until we really slow down to think about it, that God gives us hope, a certain hope for a meaningful life and eternal life. And you give us joy that's not based on happiness or circumstances or what we have or what we've achieved. And you give us peace. And God, the world needs your peace. And we need your peace. I want to give one minute of silence and, and ask that you would just say, here I am, Lord, meet with me. If you would just whisper that, if you're willing. Here I am, Lord, meet with me. And then with open hearts, allow God to speak to you, allow God to give you a hug, allow God to show you something. That whether it's the first time, show you that he's real, or, for, or it hasn't been a long time, to show you that he's still with you. He's still with you. So let's do that for a minute. Here I am, Lord, to meet with me. kind of get this sense that like bear with me that uh, we're always looking for Wi-Fi because it's kind of everywhere and we're looking for it and we're kind of upset when there's no Wi-Fi available and yet God is saying I'm, I'm everywhere look for me if you search me and seek me out with all your heart you will find me not because of your ability, but you will find me because I will be found by you. Like a, ch a father or mother playing with their children hide and seek. 
They hide so that you can find them easily. So Lord, would you be found by those who are searching for you? Would you renew us? That we would gather in as you call us to gather in and then to be sent out. And I do pray for those of ex- uh, experiencing brokenness. There, there are things we can't tell other people or there are things that only a few people know, but we carry it. It's part of us. God, would you set the captives free? In Jesus' name, would you set the captives free? Would you heal and restore? Would you refill and refresh? That we would meet with you, and because we've met with you, our lives are changed. And others who know us, that their lives may be changed. Because you change lives. You are good and your love endures forever. In Jesus' name we pray.